Hello and welcome to With Relish on the Headstuff Podcast Network. I'm Aoife Allen. And I'm Harry Colley. If this is your first time listening in, welcome to the show. We're a fortnightly food podcast looking at all things good in the Irish culinary scene. If you like what we've done so far, please feel free in hitting subscribe and writing us a review. So today I suppose we're talking about beer. And whiskey a little bit. A little bit about whiskey, yeah. yeah. But it's so, the beer episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're talking, uh, we're going to have a good look inside the Irish beer industry. Um, we've got a couple of really cool We've got really good heads from from loads of different, I suppose, I don't want to say departments, but we've got... Walks le- of Beer Life. Walks of Beer Life. We've got William Harvey, who we've done a tour with around Five Lamps Brewery, which was absolutely incredible. And we've got lovely Scott and Cam from uh, Eight Degrees down in Cork, who are going to tell us about the magic of putting together all these amazing flavour combinations in their brews. Who we never asked about, now that I think about it. I mean, yes, they're from Cork, but no, they're not. They're from Australia and New Zealand. Do you know no, like, I mean, they are a Cork brewery, but I suppose it never came up with like talking about growing local and supporting the community and all this yeah, stuff. And they're yeah, like, yeah. oh. What you doing here, lads? I mean, I know because we read the sheet beforehand that they both <laughs> married Irish women. Yeah, but we should have teased out the love story a bit more is what you're saying. Yeah. Because that's what it's all about. That would have been it? a nice character arc. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Um, and then also Let's make something up for them. <laughs> I'm sure they'd be thrilled. <laughs> uh, and then we have Marie Byrne, who's from Chinnery Spirits, and she's talking to us about the new course that is set up, which is a BSc that was set up in DIT that started this yeah. week, and it's for brewing and distilling, and it's like about getting getting a higher quality of technical uh, expertise, I suppose, right across the sector, isn't it? That's the way to say it. Okay. Yeah. Think about this one, right? If you're 17 years old, sitting in Port Martin Community School, as I was when I was filling out my CAO form, you know, going to mm, law, yeah, dad would like me to do that, journalism, yeah. I'll be a vet. That as well. yeah. Brewing? <laughs> I could do my degree in beer. Are you having a drop? Can you imagine your little brain? I know. Going into overdrive and excitement. I, I wouldn't, yeah. I mean, at that time, I would have been like, had no interest in it at all, though. I, something tells me that that course will be loads of people going at it from a different angle and that's just because like I suppose I've met brewers a couple of times and they all kind of come from uh, other jobs yeah is what I think people land there later in life but yeah. that's because there hasn't been a degree for it so far yeah maybe that's a very good point <laughs> maybe yeah. there's be a load of like, I can see a lot of the lads like recent graduate 22 year old their heads blowing off at the idea of it you know yeah I know what you mean yeah but sure we'll ask her yeah let's find out so what is your thoughts on beer, Harry? Are you a, a big fan <laughs> I am of a, the crafty, crafty beers? I am a fan of the crafty, crafty beers. I kind of challenged the guys on it a little bit uh, about some some elements of the of the craft beer industry that I don't love. Sometimes I think that there's a lot of gimmickry that goes yeah. on in it. You know, like it's kind of like there is a lot of innovation and a lot of creativity going yeah. on. And then there's also a lot of like chaff, yeah. I think, as well. So I think it's good to like distinguish what those things yeah. are. What is what is kind of like just doing it for the sake of doing it and like vacuous hipster bullshit. And yeah. what is a real, real product that yeah. that Elevate has got roots? Do you know what I mean? For a long time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so I am a totally a, a, a beer drinker and a craft beer drinker. Um, I'm also a, you, I, I'm a Guinness drinker. Do you know, like when I'm in a pub, like my standard thing that I do order is Guinness. Same here. I can't seem to move away from that. Like if I'm drinking at home. Uh, if I'm having dinner and a few drinks at home, I would often get some bottles of nice craft beer. Yeah, and enjoy that. Um, it's almost what I do now. I, I just I'm not a big wine drinker. Mm. I enjoy wine, but it's not my first port of call ever. It doesn't sit that well with me. So I'd often get a few different craft beers and try them out if I'm having dinner at home, which is nice. But when I I'm think I have pub, the same. I just get the Guinness. I have the same reaction with it as well. And even yeah. like when whenever I'm abroad and I'm at a bar, I kind of don't know what to order. Do you know, because yeah. when I'm standing there waiting, and they're like, "What do you want?" I'm like, Ugh. Guinness, you know, yeah, like that yeah, is what yeah. I want. Where's my Guinness? Yeah, where's the Guinness? Where's my favorite Guinness? Um, so, 
Uh, I'm the, but I am open. But I think I'm probably the same as you. Where I do like craft beers, but I don't really drink them in a pub. They do uh, blow my head off as well, which is another reason why I kind of the craft. Well, I mean, yeah, you yeah. mentioned Without the ten percent porter. Yeah, absolutely, that's insane. Yeah, yeah that I is know it's to sip on, but like it doesn't come with that worth. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know I, mean? <laughs> I can see a lot of people going to stand up after two pints in the pub and going, "And oh, my legs don't work oh my anymore." God. Should. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, so I suppose I like definitely a beer fan, but also. A traditionalist, uh, in a way. A traditionalist, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And a bit of a skeptic, maybe. Okay, yeah. interesting. So okay. Uh, I'm ready to have my mind changed. Yeah, on with the show, says you, says I. <laughs> says Ian. <laughs> says Ian as well. Do you says it? Yeah. <laughs> he says it too. So let's pack up our gear and on we go to the five lamps up in Portobello. Absolutely, can't wait. My name is uh, William Harvey and I'm the, the brewer with Five Lamps uh, based in the Liberties in Dublin. So this is where we start, this is the, this is the brew house. Start with our, our hot uh, water tank. Brewers tend to call it hot liquor tanks because sometimes the small runnings from the mash tun would go back into the, into the hot water tank. So there, there could be potential for fermentation in there. So, so we call that the hot liquor tank. And this is our mash tun. You can see it's a, it's a small vessel with a, a false uh, bottom in it. So, in here, uh, on, on brewing days, we, we, we put in hot water and we mix uh, the milled malt into the, into the hot liquor. Um, we do it manually, if you can just see there, that's our, our wooden paddle hanging up there. So it's like an oar on, on a rowboat, yeah, basically, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. You say it's a small vessel, but you could fit probably, what, six people into that, right? <laughs> well, in terms of volume, it's yeah. about, uh, you would put about maybe a thousand litres into it, okay. if, if you were to fill it to capacity. And it comes, so as like you can see, it's subjective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's about chest high on me, and I'm, yeah. about, I'm about six foot. If you can imagine, you're, 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 you're stirring uh, like a porridge, uh, about... 500 kilos of a porridge so it's, okay. it's quite a workout first thing in the morning we then allow the the mash to sit for for uh, an hour or maybe a little more and in that hour the time temperature regime in the vessel converts starts getting the the enzymes activated and those enzymes then start converting the starch in the malt into sugar Okay. Right? So the solution that we run out of this vessel into the kettle is a really sweet, sweet solution. And as we wash the bed of grain with, with hot water to ensure that we get all of the extract out of, out of the bed of grain, there's less and less sugar as, as you're moving the, the liquid into the kettle. So we're targeting here um, beers that are accessible. So we're keeping them under 5%. We, we do the one-offs as well. We do the, the seasonal brews, and that's when you go off the reservation. But yeah. <laughs> um, uh, good raw materials in them, nice hops in them, but not totally in your face. And I think there's yeah. a lot of beer drinkers out there that, that like to be seen to be drinking craft beers, but but need something that's accessible to them. You know, yeah. it's, it's a very, very small percentage of the, the population want to drink those massive IPAs, hopped up the wazoo and 10% yeah. ABV, you know. They want something that's, that's accessible and sessionable. Right? Yeah. So that's what we're aiming for here with the standard run of beers. So we've gone for the mash tun and then it's a sweet liquor yeah. that has come over into the kettle into and then the this has been boiled. And yeah. this is being boiled, Dead. right? So from this point on, you've got to be careful about cleaning and sterility, right? Because boiling it sterilizes the liquid. We add hops for a variety of reasons. Um, you add them for bitterness, you add them for uh, aromatics, and you also add them because they bring a preservative nature yep. to the beer. So if you think of like the original IPAs, India Pale Ales, brewed in the UK or here and shipped out to yep. India, right? It took six or eight weeks on a boat before they arrived there, arrived into massive heat. So you needed beers that had high alcohol and high hops to preserve yep. it 
for that length of time, right? So that's the origin of those big, high foreign extra stouts, IPAs, all that kind of thing. Right? I read somewhere recently, William, that um, the hoppiness of IPAs at that time would have been sort of endured rather than enjoyed by the drinker. Oh, is oh it a much more uh, recent uh, development uh, that people are looking yeah, for a happiness? Yeah, 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 it yeah. used to be just something that they put up with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was part of the, the preservative nature yeah. of the thing. But um, hop chemistry has come okay. so far in the last okay. 25 years. You know? So it is a tastier thing now than it would have been oh, it is. I mean, they've, they've in colonial India. Oh, absolutely. India, yeah. I mean, they have, uh, particularly now, I, I would say the Americans have developed uh, varieties that just like bring specific notes to the beer so you've got varieties like citra that will bring those lime and grapefruit yep. notes mosaic the same so so uh, I it's quite incredible what they've done how they've manipulated the chemistry generally the first lot of hops that go in right at the start of the kettle boil they're solely for bitterness right that's you're you're not looking for aroma you just want to get that um, alpha to iso alpha conversion going that will lay down your baseline bitterness in the beer right so then we, we boil that for, a, for an hour, hour and a half to get that conversion going. And then at the back end of the, uh, at the, back end of the boil, maybe five, ten minutes before strike off, you'd add the second tranche of hops. And those hops would be designed mostly for, for, for aromatics. So really all you want to do is, is dissolve the hop oils yep. in the hot liquor. Our kettle here uh, also works as a, a whirlpool. So um, we, can, we can suck the, the, the warts out of the bottom of the tank shoot them back in here at a tangent that tangent will set the whole uh, 800 liters in the kettle spinning right so you spin it for about 10 minutes and then stop it and let it settle that spinning will help uh, all of the solids fall out of the fall out of the uh, of the liquid and and gather at the bottom okay. of the tank and then we can start drawing off clear clear warts over over a standpipe right so the solid materials the hop trove all stays in the kettle yeah i just want to uh, point out to anybody at home if this is difficult to see picture Breaking Bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looks like we're cooking up meth. But Actually, yeah. I have the hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, on the off days, we do other stuff. <laughs> no, that's a joke. Um, so, where are we? we we've finished the boil. We've, we've got the whirlpool going. We've left it settle. Then we draw off the wort through this chiller. We chill it down from 100 degrees to... Uh, 18 or 20 degrees and run it to kettle and at the same time the cold liquor that feeds in here to cool the warts goes back into the hot liquor tank and you've got hot liquor for, for washing up right and I keep telling people it's 20% brewing and 80% washing up you know, yeah. when, you know <laughs> it goes a long way just to like cooking. Yeah. yeah it is just like cooking at home and it, it also goes a long way to explaining why all the early brewers were women the men only got interested when the technology came along that's no. something I'm very interested to ask you about, actually. Um, so my understanding is that pretty much all brewing took place at home, and yeah. distilling took place at home yeah. up until when, would you say, roughly? Oh, I would say 1600s, most. Okay. but that's how the public houses began, right? Yeah. Because you had three or four women making making beer in, in wooden vats and yeah. whatever vessels they had. And uh, you went to the house to, to for, for a beer, and yeah. she had no beer. So-and-so down the road has just put on a fresh yeah. batch, and it's ready to go. So you went from house to house, and hence the, the whole public house yeah. routine got, got going. Did that money go back into the household when women made oh, and sold beer, or was it kind of money for them? Was it a separate kind of Ooh. revenue stream, do you know? <laughs> Depends on the gaff. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it does. Yeah, yeah I'd heard um, that before, that it was yeah. kind of like an independent revenue stream for well women. It could mm. well have been. I'm sure it went into the household as well. Mm. Though, you know? yeah. But uh, then that's the origin of that. So, 
we've boiled it in the kettle, we've cooled it down, we now run it into our fermenters, right? So we have three fermenters here. We fill the fermenter with, with the freshly uh, boiled uh, worts. And at that stage, we, we add the yeast and essentially lock the vessel up and yeah. let it there for as long as you need, right? So we do our fermentations here mostly between 80, 16 and 18 degrees. So it takes a good six, seven days for the fermentation to complete. Now, if you did the fermentations at 22, 24 degrees, you could have the time, but I like the long, slow fermentation. Once is that for flavor development or what's, uh, what's the benefit of the uh, length? Well, it is, yes. Flavor development, it's, it, you're, you're not putting your yeast under too much pressure. It's, it's, a, cool, it's a cool fermentation rather than a, a warm fermentation. And is that the kind of style that's used for lager? Lagers would be, it would be more difficult and uh, take a lot longer because you're fermenting at a much lower temperature. M- that's right? in yeah, indeed yeah. lower than... And you're conditioning longer as well, yeah. yeah. Well, so I think that lager is the German word for basement. Uh, it could well be, yeah. yeah, yeah and so the yeah. name from it comes from, it's yeah. like it's underground, yeah, slow, yeah, yeah, cold yeah, fermentation. Yeah, yeah. I went to visit um, Pilsner Urquell way, way back in early 90s and uh, they had uh, nine miles of underground tunnels wow. full of full of 10 uh, hectoliter wooden open fermenters. What? Oh, wow. Real skanky stuff. Yeah. Together, <laughs> <you know? laughs> but, uh, I mean, they've had huge rejections of capital since then, and uh, obviously they're, they're brewing of... Brewing of uh, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the romance. Of it. Yeah, the, the smell wasn't quite romantic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah, romance. The totally romantic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, where are we? Yeah, so we've got we've got our beer and fermenter. We've added the yeast. We've locked it up. We leave it ferment away for for a week. Uh, once the fermentation has been done, at this point, because we're using a, a plate and frame filter press, which is divided into two parts, we get a um, a, a coarse filtering and a, and a sterile filtering so the beer is, is sterile and, and obviously we don't have to pasteurize it at that okay. point so, yeah. so it's just cold filtered essentially but because we're using that I think that pulls a lot of flavor out of the beer as well so we boost the hop bit at the back end here so that's known as dry hopping so once the fermentation has, has been completed we add additional hops again just to solubilize the oils and capture those aromatics yeah. in, in the tank and boost it enough so that when it goes through the filter, you s- you've still got those nice happy notes. And then we leave it conditioned for another six or seven days at as cold as we can get it. Uh, and that just, uh, I just think that eases the beer into the okay. world and it's, it's okay. nice, easy conditioning. And at that stage, then we put it through our filter press um, and into our bright beer tank, right? So uh, on the morning that we, we are, we're, we're racking, um, I, I uh, sterilize the, um, the BBT, the, the filter press, and our, our Marivec here, which is our bottling machine, um, and then uh, filter the beer into the into the bright beer tank, and then into the into the bottler or, or kegger. Now this is a, a Czechoslovakian uh, built unit, built by a guy called Marivec, and uh, it has a keg uh, a keg adapter there, so we can we can fill uh, beer into kegs. Um, we do uh, but maybe about 10 to 15 minutes to fill a, fill a 50 litre keg and then uh, once the kegging is done we switch it over and we, we bottle what's left. So we generally uh, rack about 650 litres of beer so I might do 12 or 13 kegs and 
and 10 or 15 cases of beer. Okay. But the bottles are, are a bit of a pain because you can see there's only two bottles at a time. It looks to me I'm kind like of surprised, or sorry, maybe you're saying the same thing, that I'm very surprised to see how small the operation is. Absolutely. That if you're looking at the bottling machine, which does two, two at a time. Yeah. We're using small bottles, so... Like, I'm always buying bottles. Really, <laughs> yeah. Like, of, of, well, of five lamps, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, God, maybe I'll give guys a break and just get it on tap (laughs) (laughs) but also just the size of the operation here I mean it's um, do you know what the square meterage is here I can't Um, say off the top of my head about about 3,000 square feet no you could actually fit this operation into the corner yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen an operation like this with one fermenter in, in a garage in the UK, you know, so yeah. w- we had the space and uh, yeah, it's just which is nice great. to lay it out linearly. I know? guess I never, I you know, the word craft has almost become meaningless because it's so prevalent, but this yeah, but really nice. is handcrafted yeah. stuff. Oh, oh it really is, I mean yeah, so it's it really it's nice to see that. It's a very physical day, I mean, yeah. mashing in the is, yeah. is, is quite physical and th- there's nothing but a wooden paddle to do it with, Absolutely, you know? yeah. So there's that part and then this is, th- th- like, in fairness, the yeast does... 80% of the work, you yeah. know, but at this end then it's very, it's fairly labor intensive uh, in that um, w- w- when we're bottling, we could do maybe about 12, 12 or 15 cases an hour, but you're, you're smoking at that stage, you know, yeah. but it's, uh, <laughs> there's about, there's about Oof. 10 different movements to get beer into the bottle and then it's got to be, because the beer is cold, the bottle is warm, the, um, the beer has to be left, well, first of all, it's got to be crown corked one at a time. There's our little crown corker there, okay. right? The little red thing. Yeah. Right. So one bottle at a time gets like a juicer gets sealed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the bottles a temperate overnight, and then they're labelled one at a time, and date stamped one at a time, and then the boxes are made one at a time, and you know. This so is amazing. It stuff is very yeah, labour yeah. intensive. I'm really yeah. It's yeah. very labour intensive at yeah. this stage of the at this stage of the process. Loads you know? of love goes into that, I reckon. Yeah. Or at least yeah. care. Yeah. And frustration. Love and frustration. Love and tears. I thought I was getting a glamorous job, but that didn't last long. So speaking of which, how does it? Your old employer was Guinness? Yeah. And how long were you there for? Oh, I was with Guinness for um, 27 years. Right. And uh, retired and uh, just faffed around for a couple of years. And, and then said, screw this. And then got... I want to yeah, work again. <laughs> got bored, actually. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I yeah. was spending the whole day reading and I thought, Jesus, I've got to be bored. And yeah. then suddenly the, the whole craft beer thing took off. And yeah. Uh, you know. And yeah, you were kind of reborn. Yeah. So how does this set up fare compared to uh, Guinness? I mean, in terms of the labour intensity. Um, obviously, oh. it's a vastly different operation, oh, yeah. but like physically, <laughs> how is it different? Uh, well, I, what I, were you doing uh, at Guinness? What was I doing at Guinness? Yeah, the, oh, you I know, the year yeah, before yeah, you retired, yeah. what, oh, what was your I, day well like I physically? Was, uh, I, I retired as the head of procurement for raw okay. materials. So yeah. I, I bought the, the raw materials for the, the group, wherever. So we were, we'd be buying hops and malt uh, okay. all over the world for yeah. the various totally different, yeah, yeah, totally different operation. Yeah. The last time, I, I, I keep saying, the last time I did any small-scale brewing was when I joined with Guinness in, in 1980 in the, the uh, research lab, we had a very small uh, uh, pilot plant there. And okay. that was the last time I had done any small-scale yeah. brewing. So it was a bit was of a gamble coming back. Yeah. 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 And it was the right decision? Oh, God, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You seem very happy yeah, in this yeah. environment. Absolutely, yeah. Do you have any, I suppose, I'm interested in Guinness as a uh, kind of a historical institution in mm. Dublin. Do mm. you have any kind of insights into what sort of an employer it was throughout the 20th century oh, from your time there? Uh, oh, well, just from my time there, it was a, they were a fantastic yeah. employer. Uh, it, it, was, uh, it was a fun place to work. It, it was very Dublin-centric in, yeah. in that, like, 
there were some great nicknames. Everybody had a nickname in there, and it was just fantastic. What was yours? I, I don't like it. Shush, Harry. I don't honestly know, you know, but uh, <laughs> there were some fantastic nicknames in there. But also, it was, uh, it was a, a good company to work for in, in terms of they, they, they paid for a lot of uh, yeah. education and stuff like that. Yeah. So did they build housing at some point, oh or did they provide back, housing? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's amazing. The, the Ivy Trust. Uh, Dublin 8. A lot of it, yeah. yeah, around the Liberties, yeah. Uh, around the Liberties, they were on Christchurch, those yeah. uh, those big Ivy uh, buildings, they were built by Guinness Funds, yeah. and then there were a bunch of houses up in Crumlin, uh, red brick houses built in okay. the, again, the 1800s. So, so yeah, in five lamps, we were looking to do that as well. Absolutely, How's yeah. all employees? Well it's, <laughs> it's an interesting <laughs> one seeing, what, what, like three of you or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's interesting to think of, you know, I think a lot of the big chocolate makers, Cadbury's and Roundtree's, were those sort of socially minded employers yeah. in the UK. And, and Guinness seems to have been the yeah. one in Dublin, you know. Well, we're trying to do that here. We have uh, we have my mother's standard lamp and we have a coach over there where oh I yeah. can have a nap if necessary. It's very homely. We have a hammock, up, have yeah. a hammock upstairs and my <laughs> dining room table is up there as well. I was thinking <laughs> of moving in. <laughs> uh, uh, <one> boy. <laughs> yeah, but I suppose, um, you know, talking about uh, large companies like that, um, kind of creating communities you know Guinness was definitely one of those things and then we saw a lot of that in like the north of England uh, especially to do with like mining and we look at kind of what happened to those communities in the late 1980s when the mines all closed down yeah. and all that stuff and then yeah. you kind of look at what Guinness has become now that they've been able to like I suppose everlasting do you know and then there's still a community that surrounds it and yeah. still yeah. many families working within the business and people yeah. still going on saying like yeah they're a fantastic employer big, big breweries are driven by completely different uh, parameters than, than small craft brewers like I mean you know here if, if the maltster says the price of the malt is is, is X you know I, I can't really argue with them yeah. but if I'm buying 100,000 tonnes like Guinness you can I can set really the price have almost. a debate yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, and the same with hops if they say it's it's twenty quid a kilo, you know. I I, I can't argue, you know. Yeah. When I w when I was doing the sums in the early days for our raw material requirements, I just couldn't believe the numbers were so small because when I was uh, buying for Guinness, I was dealing with like you know, 100, 120,000 kilos of alpha. Yeah. Here, uh, you know, I wouldn't use in a year what Guinness put into one brew. Yeah. You know, it's so I kept yeah. doing the sums. Readjust your head completely. Right, like yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You can't make anything with this. Right. <laughs> I'm missing a couple of zeros at least. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, so, the, uh, so uh, the big brewers are driven by you know by you know how can we make the beer faster and cheaper? Mm, the craft beer is is more interested in 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 good raw materials and just handcrafted or magic yeah. its way through to the very end. You know. Yeah. Well, it's been wonderful to see, you know, the kind of the back end of things to see Absolutely, how this yeah. thing comes together. And like I said, I'm kind of amazed at how a labour intensive, yeah. but also just how you know how much interaction you yeah. are having yeah, yeah, every yeah. day with the product. Yeah. Um, it's wonderful, and I think I'm going to appreciate the next bottle of five lamps I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, all the more yeah, I'll be thinking yeah, yeah. of that. It's yeah. like when you go to an organic farm, as we do sometimes as yeah. chefs from work, and you see the labour that goes into yeah. picking everything and how delicate everything is. Yeah. It's yeah. the same thing, you know. You yeah. kind of just appreciate it totally. yeah, all that much more. Yeah, there's it's a wonderful. lot of mundane in it as well, though. I mean, I'm no washing cakes doubt. today, which is yeah, a yeah, ball no crack, yeah, no crack, yeah, but sure, you know, rough and smooth. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for no, your no, time. It's been an absolute yeah, pleasure and an education yeah. as well. Ireland's beer industry has been given an interesting addition in recent weeks, as Dublin's DIT have begun their first degree in brewing and distilling. To speak to us about the course and her involvement in setting it up, we are joined in the studio by Marie Byrne of Chinnery Spirits. Marie, thanks so much for coming on to With Relish. Delighted to be here. Thanks, William. Welcome. Um, so I just wanted to... Yeah, what's it all about? 
<laughs> the, <laughs> Good open question. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, the DIT course in brewing in the sun. Yeah, so, I'd love to yeah. know what it is. Okay, well, we'll take it back a little while and um, been working on this for um, quite a while. So, first of all, when I set up the Dublin Whiskey Company and um, I became involved with the Irish Whiskey Association, we started looking at you know what were the factors that could limit the growth of the uh, the whiskey industry, and one of those was having access to really good technical people and that's technical technical branding but technical product technical technical in terms of the sustainability of the product and in environmentally producing a great product and um, and this was something that we hadn't got quite around to addressing in distilling again we were importing quite a lot of consultants to help us make great products and this to me did not seem like a, a great idea yes it's fine but like let's be uh, let's sustain our own industry ourselves from an Irish perspective. My own background is a science degree and I know so many brilliant scientists who are eager to work in this industry. So it all made sense to my mind. Uh, I went around and looked at various different academic institutions and um, I kind of hit on DIT because of a number of reasons. Number one, they've phenomenal culinary course already in DIT. In so the cities in Cobbrough Street. In Cobbrough Street, yeah, absolutely. They have very familiar with kind of nutraceuticals, pharmaceuticals, so they understand the fermentation aspect. They work on the tourism side. They also have business side, marketing. So when we started, I, I, I then I held a workshop with kind of some of the small brewers, some of the big brewers and big distilleries and smaller distilleries and started saying, right, if we were to look at what kind of graduate you would like to see coming out of this, what would that person look like? And it actually required a little bit from all of those. So you're looking for a really well-rounded graduate. Uh, so that was, I suppose, the just the very start of it. Mm. Is and it a BA or an MA? No, it's a BSE. Oh, sorry, yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So the um, the title is um, a BSE in uh, food innovation, um, and uh, but then you would get an honors degree in brewing and distilling. Uh-huh. Okay, and you said it's and is a kind of <coughs> interdisciplinary. Like, are you pulling in? marketing lecturers and things like that like are they all coming into the one so it's it's primary program? focus yeah is stone cold science okay that's i'm from a science background don't you know yeah <laughs> yeah it's stone cold science i had this um, wonderful story of a colleague of mine dr jim swan who did his um uh, phd in in Harriet Watt in distilling back in the 60s and and a guy came in to interview myself and Jim and he said oh so you know making fantastic whiskey and beer is it like art is it magic it's a bit of science and I remember Jim's look at him <laughs> and I cut him in half it's science <laughs> it's all science <laughs> it's all science but you do need a bit of the creative art flair the yeah, yeah. marketing flair, yeah. Yeah. you know to bring that product to life mm-hmm. okay. you know so you do need that but the idea of the course is that it's very much um, a science course but what we're doing is we're expanding it also to have um, quite an engineering focus because that's what people need as well it's all very good and say oh yes I know I could make a great product if you give me this fantastic brewery but like you need to be able to know how to put the brewery together yeah, sure. mm-hmm. and then we also do, we do bring in modules to be fair on like f- finance on sustainability like what do i do with you know i've got four ton of waste material yeah. outside the back door 
what do I do, do with that? that? Yeah. You know, so there's lots of um, there's lots of areas. So what we do, so our principal partners just at the outset are um, Diageo, Guinness and um, Irish Distillers. And what they're doing is that, you know, we have access to their pilot plants okay. in which with with the with the those two different companies. And we're sorry to interrupt you, but what's a pilot plant? So it's um if you imagine like a large scale, huge industrial kitchen, um versus a small little kitchen that maybe your mm. granny would have. Gotcha. It's got everything in it that's the same, yeah. but just you know, is it like a test kitchen? It's like a test okay. kitchen, yeah. So you're making cool. you're making everything in just sort smaller amounts, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so we'll have access to to that capability through our partners. And by the way, we're extending that out to kind of any brewery or distillery that want, wants to take students okay. now. Which is fantastic. So we're we'll be sending student students out um for uh, work experience, whereby both the company and the student will talk to each other about a piece of interesting research to do while they're out there, as well as just getting to grips with what does working in a in a brewery yeah. or distillery actually look like and feel like, and is it as great um as you think it is, and it always is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I want to go back to college. <laughs> <laughs> it is as it is everything you think it will be. And more. Yeah. So up until now, I guess people have been trained more or less on the job. And has that had an effect on quality? You know, what's the big bonus that's going to come from this kind of consistent training that a whole new generation of brewers and distillers are going to get? Yeah, I, I think one of the big things that we're looking to achieve is to bring out even more innovation. Mm. Can you imagine it? I know mm. the brewers are just kicking <laughs> ass with the amount of uh, innovation that they're bringing into the Irish beer section. But there are a lot of times with every brewery and distillery that I'm sure they come along uh, across a problem and they think, God, how would I sort it? It's like, you know what? I know how to do it in seven steps. That's fine. We'll just do it in seven steps and we know we'll get we'll get consistent mm. product. But what if if I could put a student and really research this and let's see if we could reduce it down to three okay. steps. Yeah. That process optimization is really, really important. And just, you know, when a, when a brewery is getting up and running or if they're looking at launching a new product very often it can be a very expensive messy affair you know so what they can do is they can say they can work with um you know a student say look can you research this for six months and that's all the entire product development kind of done and handled Mm. and then they can go straight into launching the product then and and like so it brings about huge commercial rewards it allows the students to kind of move very quickly up through the brewery or distillery or even let students set up a brewery or distillery themselves like a lot of times you know i i talk to people as a an uh, enterprise ireland mentor and a lot of times people come to me and they say oh you know i want to set up a brewery and it's fantastic and you're like oh fantastic tell me about what beer or what whiskey you really like and they're like You know, so you're saying, right, you know, here's now way going, look, just dive straight in, get into the thick of it, you know, find out what, what parts of that, that really interest you. So there's a, there's a lot, there, you know, this is a really interesting way of getting into the industry. What brought you into the industry? So your background is science. Yes. And what drew you into distilling? Like, uh, yeah. I'm sure there's a million things you could have done. Yeah. How did there's you end up here? Um, it's a long and windy road. Mm. Um, and I suppose really taking it really far back is that my very um, uh, early childhood spent on a farm so I was a farmer's daughter up to the age of 18 and there's something that um, the distilling industry the drinks industry in general that reminds me of that is that pride of product yeah. you know yeah. that ownership yeah. of something 
and the fact that like you know an Irish you know if you see Irish lamb on a menu or you see an Irish whiskey that that Irish lamb that Irish whiskey that Irish beer can only be produced in Ireland so it's up to us to make the very best product that we yeah. possibly can so that that real pride was one thing looking at what is um uh, looking at creating the one of the best products that you possibly can um so I saw um a chance in the industry to work in marketing to work in financial products like pr- the financial modeling of how to get a brewery set up and, and going uh, of looking at phenomenal product what's there not to love there is yeah. space for such an amount of disciplines in one industry so I've worked in various different industries but I am in like flame I'm staying this is your thing yeah. drinks industry because yeah. it's phenomenal there's so much scope for innovation. Why do you think Ireland is so good at drinks? I know that's a really <laughs> simple <laughs> question, but it's such an interesting one. You know, when you were describing that kind of pride in product a mm. moment ago, I was thinking like that's maybe how other cultures, other nationalities talk about certain food stuffs that, you know, are mm. local. Yeah, I'm trying to go through st- local like food stuffs that we would have as much pride in as we yeah. would have. I mean, it's out there, but it is certainly like... like internationally, people would recognise you. Like if you were abroad, you'd be like from Ireland and you, they would say, oh, Guinness. Do you know? It's yeah. like it's, mm. it's, I think it's probably one of the... It's one of our markers. It's one of our cultural markers. Totally. Yeah. yeah producing good drinks, enjoying good drinks, sometimes mm. a bit too much. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, what is it about us that just, why does alcohol resonate so much? with Irish people um, if that's not too big a question <laughs> for you now <laughs> okay I probably need to add a few drinks before I get <laughs> okay imagine you're hammered now tell us <laughs> <laughs> drink away drink away. no I, d- I don't know I think there's something about you know um, that we are from a very agricultural um, uh, background we've always punched above our weight in terms of food products and, and th- this is just a, uh, an extension on of that like David Havlin my uh, business partner he lived for many years in um, in China and when he was over in China there was very few um, Westerners and people used to say Ireland that's not a country don't <laughs> 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 yeah. be ridiculous and, and because of that he would come home and he would get products of Ireland that mm. would travel which was alcohol yeah. was whiskey yeah. and bring them over and go oh my god you really are a country yeah. this is fantastic this is really really interesting and that's how his interest of of um the drinks industry grew but i think that there's um there's a, there's a connection kind of to the land yeah you know that doesn't sound too no that's it though right. yeah. Yeah. i think that uh, a lot of the northern European countries have kind of got a similar relationship with yeah. alcohol. I think it's to do with things like daylight, mm. uh, especially now as we go into a uh, long old winter. It's like, I think what ends up becoming like, for lack of a better word, but a pastime for people mm. is yeah. to drink. And I'm not talking about overindulging on drinking. I'm just talking about like pub culture. Yeah, yes. culture conversation drink. and conversation. Exactly. Yeah. That, it, like yeah. that, that because we're not getting up at five o'clock in the morning to go for a run before we go for a swim, before we get to <laughs> How work. embarrassing for you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that a lot of kind of social and... Um, Playtime is spent with drink, and I think yeah. that I think for me anyway, I think the, the kind of pride, the pride in product, mm-hmm. and before I say pride in alcohol, but pride in product, yeah. as which uh, in beer specifically, um, comes from kind of like what like it's a really really good delicious thing that is made down the road, and it's yeah. facilitating conversation. Yeah, I think that's no, part I th- of my I relationship. Think, with I think it. both of you have hit on that uh, other point, not just the pride of product, but like storytelling. Yeah. And, and I think that's why we're really good marketeers. And I think we, we haven't really thought 
that we were up until the last 20 years but why wouldn't we we yeah. natural storytellers so yeah. and like being able to tell a story through the medium of a phenomenal product as well is really interesting so like the drinks industry actually manages to pull all of that yeah. together yeah. and the tourism aspect really feeds into this as yeah. well so that we can make Ireland a real destination for all of that and re- with a real regional spread as well which I think is really interesting everything doesn't have to be so Dublin focused absolutely I have a friend who's set up a distillery at the moment in Kilmac Thomas mm. in Waterford and he's hoping that this is obviously it's going to be his business but also that it's going to be a huge tourist attraction sorry attraction yeah it's um, Nora, so I would imagine yeah that's <laughs> the one exactly um, yeah. so yeah no it's a really exciting thing to think that people can come to visit like there's uh, there's been a huge boom in Chinese tourism yes absolutely um, and we still have lots of people from the states visiting and that you know that they'll travel to a certain place that maybe hasn't had a huge amount of tourism before to visit a new yeah. independent yeah. distillery if you look around yeah. the corner from where we work there's the Tealing distillery yeah mm. and absolutely that's like what three or four years old maybe yeah, yeah. Do you know? and yeah, it's, and it's rammed yeah. it's rammed yeah, and it's, it's got a big cafe like and it's this destination yeah. itself experience it's really interesting that people yeah. go for and you have people kind of coming yeah. into the cafe and they're like where's the Tealing distillery and yeah like, no 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 you're supposed to be here <laughs> <laughs> eat here first you need eat to eat first yeah. hopefully it's yeah. the destination yeah, yeah, yeah. sit down we'll feed you first but yeah. um, when people but often people in the, in, the, in the neighborhood might be asking you for directions to Guinness do you yeah. know what I mean yeah. but all in Dublin 8 yeah. um, and one of the things that I often get a bit kind of like huh like you you want to go to Teeling? Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. not not yeah. that it's not a good thing, but like it's so new. It and is I suppose so it's new. talking about the growth and the kind of the power that these yeah. things have that people are coming in and I would expect them to be going to something that was from established since eighteen fifty nine. Yeah. But uh no, something that was established in like two thousand and fourteen. Yeah. 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 And, and and to take it back actually, that's another reason why we were interested in kind of setting up um this course as well, because like a lot of times um just that you know, you don't have that many staff in a brewery or distillery. And with, um, if you've got one really good skilled graduate yeah. um, and then you've got access to research, I should say that where we're going with this is that we hope to launch an MSE and then even perhaps in the future, I'm working towards, if Enterprise Ireland are listening, I'm coming <laughs> for you, um, <laughs> uh, about setting up a brewing and distilling institute in Ireland that would really mark us out as being world-class you know, market beaters globally. Mm. I think that's where we're going. And has the course started yet, sir? Yes, uh, the course started this week. Oh, oh, amazing. amazing. Yeah, I you know. took time to come and talk to us. You're so <laughs> good. Yeah, were you so trying excited. to get away from all the students? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Any time out? So, um, no, I, I'm, I'm giving a talk to them on Friday and I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, actually, something that, um, a little stat that I think is very interesting coming out of course is that there was slightly more girls went into food science yeah. um, than, than guys. So, actually, um. 80% of um, students who uh, went into food science want to go into brewing and stilling, which is fantastic. But that also means, which is fantastic, there's probably 80% of this course is going to be female-orientated. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there are, um, uh, both brewing and distilling is still quite, you know, heavily male-orientated, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in especially in terms of the technical aspects. Yeah. I can't wait to see this what generation of women yeah, yeah, coming that's out. Really cool. And like, yeah, let's really cool explore what that looks like because yeah. I hear so many times, oh, you know, women like, you know, fruitier, sweeter yeah. products. Yeah. And Just a lot like of times that is not yeah, the yeah, yeah. case yeah. at all. So, you know, and there's more and more women coming in on the technical side. Women were usually there on the kind of marketing yeah. side of the house. But let's, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what the next generation of female brewers and distillers 
and what they do to mm. the industry and how they change it. You yeah, know. Absolutely. And for anybody who might be thinking about signing up for this, uh, yes. what are the course requirements? You will go in directly from your CAO. So how many points um, is it? Oh, actually, I don't know. Could That's I have really done it? <laughs> 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 I will check that yeah. out. Um, and um, but also, what we're doing is um, we're not doing it this year. We didn't start off with it this year, but we will be doing it next year. That if you are in the industry and you want to retrain on this and j- just upskill yeah. um, in general, you can go back into the course. So we'll we'll be working out in the next year how you can do that part time as well from Brilliant. with support yeah. from your really your good. employer. So yeah. I think that's really good as well. And so yeah. presumably an interest in science is key yes yes stone cold science yeah stone cold, <laughs> stone cold. no <laughs> warmth <laughs> nothing. just no. science uh, yeah. pl- plenty of warmth <laughs> brilliant marie that is absolutely wonderful stuff yeah. okay, um, i'm looking forward to yeah seeing what this new wave of female brewers and distillers all over yeah, ireland are going to produce thank you so much for coming yeah and the very best yeah. of course yeah, yeah thanks very much thanks very much thanks Each week on With Relish, we invite someone in who's made an impact on the Irish culinary scene. In keeping with today's theme, we're leaving the heat out of the kitchen to look at some of the most influential people shaping Ireland's beer industry. To speak about their story so far and what's yet to come, we're delighted to have Cam Wallace and Scott Bajant, founders of 8 Degrees Brewery in Mitchellstown, County Cork. Cam has joined us in the studio while Scott is on the line from Cork. Welcome, Cam, and welcome, Scott. Thanks, Eva. Yeah, thank you. I guess... One of our first questions is, what are the steps you have to take to go from small batch home brewing to large scale commercial brewing? And what kind of inspired you to go from movie or hobby into your professional life, I suppose? Yeah, so uh, we decided to, to, to take the leap in 2010. So it was the, Ireland was in the deepest, darkest recession. Uh, so we thought, well, what better time to, uh, to you know, lay it all on the line and, uh, and roll the dice. Mm. Yeah. Take a huge risk. Take a risk. Because, well, it, back then the, the risk sort of didn't seem like such a big risk cons- considering there wasn't a huge amount of other e- enticing or exciting options. So this is yeah. sort of a dream that we've had for, for a long time. We always sort of... We almost sort of started doing a little bit or taking the, the hobby a little bit more seriously, almost because we sort of had this idea of this, oh, wouldn't it be great to open up a, a craft brewery? So we always sort of had that at the back of our mind anyway. Uh, I think Scott probably uh, took the, the home brewing a little bit more serious than I did because I was I was back in Australia for a little bit, so I actually had access to fantastic locally produced beers anyway. Scott was in the middle of... Cork and parched, parched, tongue hanging out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, we sort of like basically we, uh, um, my my wife and I were were heading back to back to Ireland because she'd had enough of the sunshine and and yeah, warmth growth in in Australia, of course. <laughs> so it was it was sort of a it was about July two thousand ten that we decided let's take the leap into uh, in, into setting up a setting up a brewery. Cool. So. That hasn't answered the question. Basically, what does it take? Um, it takes it takes a, a reasonable amount of resources. The first step was trying to convince people that this is actually a really worthwhile project. Uh, so we we needed to raise some funds. Lo- looking back now, it was actually it was actually quite a, quite a quite a fun little game. We we had very very little funds between us. So but, but what we did have, we we invested straight away into into the business to to get a company and and to start. Uh, and, and and build a uh, the strategy and, uh, and and a business plan etc. Uh, we were then lucky enough to convince uh, a, a grant funding agency to to back us. But really, that was on the back that we would actually also have bank support. So we said to the the grant agency, "Well, yep, we have bank support. Yep, no problems yet." Uh, 
yeah, our local bank is, w- is well and truly behind us. And then, of course, we went to our local bank in Mitchellstown, ARB, and they said, yep, we have the grant funding agency uh, all on board, so uh, we just need the match funding from, from you. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> well, you could look at it that way. I, I'd, I'd say it was a – we thought we had a, a very, very good business plan. We, we sort of yeah. – we almost saw the road ahead. We really thought that this brewery was going to take off because the concept has been proven in Australia and New Zealand yeah. and the States, et cetera. And uh, we were very much, I think we we're the 12th or 13th uh, brewery, micro or craft brewery in, in Ireland to, to start. So we really thought that, hey, we're onto a winner here. So, yeah. you know, we didn't see the risk being particularly high um, ourselves. We, we were very, very passionate about it. Uh, so, yeah. Like blissful naivety, probably. I think that's the same with a lot of people starting new businesses is where you go, no, 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 we didn't see the risks at the time yeah. when you put everything on the line. Oh, this is yeah. my dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And well, lots of good planning. By well, the that's it. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, like, f- for, for an example, uh, like, one of, one of the things that we, that we kind of did, like, we were supposed to, um, when we sort of started getting the, the grant funding in, we were supposed to re- repay back, a, you know, a portion of the loan, et cetera. But instead of doing that, we bought a bottling line instead. And then, we sort of, and then we sort of asked the bank for forgiveness and said, look, oh, really yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we didn't realize. And, uh, but look how cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, look, but look what we can produce. Here's some lovely beer for you. Yeah. <laughs> this, this really is quite critical to, uh, to, yeah, to, the, sure. to the operations. So I, I guess... Well, sort of so the, the attitude was charge ahead and get stuck well, in and ahead apologize ahead. later. Uh, yeah. Well, the, pretty much, like yeah. It, and the yeah. sort of sleight of hand or whatever it might have been. But uh, w- there was a little bit of juggling going on. It's kind of funny because like, now looking back, I, I think, Geez, like we were unjustifiably kind of bullish and, and confident in ourselves because really, if, if we can all think back to 2010, there was no craft beer in Ireland uh, available. Like craft beer wasn't even a term that was used. I mean, as part of our business plan, we, we had to go out to trade, like out to supermarkets and, and pubs and such and, uh, and and sort of demonstrate that there was a demand. And, there, and the reality was that there was no demand. We, we went into supermarkets and pubs saying, oh, we, we have this idea. We're going to produce this beer locally. It's going to be really full flavoured, and they would say, "I don't think our customers are looking for that. Like our, our customers are looking for really cheap beer uh, that they can buy by by the caseload for, for next to nothing." And uh, and and there's yeah, what what you're talking about is yeah, we we, we just can't imagine. But we were yeah, what what I'm saying is like we were convinced that that. While people didn't know that they wanted craft beer, that as soon as they were exposed to craft beer, that they would realise that this is what they've been looking for all their lives. So, how did you yeah, make that, that it was leap then from your potential pubs and supermarkets telling you that the demand wasn't there? How did you? So you just produced it, stuck it on the shelves, and then what? Really smart marketing, or what was the next step then to kind of create the demand? I mean, we were fortunate um, that, that there was, uh, say, uh, niche niche places that we could sell our beer into. Uh, immediately, so there, there were really forward-thinking independent off-licenses, and there, there were really forward-thinking uh, specialty beer bars in the city centres. And so, what, what we could see was that there was a good amount of sort of full-flavoured specialty beer um, being being imported into the country. And really, our business concept right at the start was, I mean, like if, if, if we could only just try to substitute some of those imports, like if there, there's no reason why why this beer that's coming into Ireland can't be 
just produced locally in Ireland. And if we could just take some of that imported bear slice into the market, then we'd probably do okay. It's a big old leap of faith, all right. Can you tell me a little bit about some good food and beer or good food and ale pairings? Because I feel like that's something that's missing. People don't have that kind of knowledge. People associate wine and food and don't so much yeah, associate beer a lot, food. Of us, a lot of in Ireland anyway, it's, it, it's mm. pub culture. And so, you know, separate beer activities. beer. Yeah, exactly. Know, one beer matches crisps. Yeah. You well, know. it's actually interesting. Uh, I mean, like probably beer probably matches with uh, with, with a wider variety of, yeah. of, of foods than than wine does. Actually, in in a lot of ways. Um, uh, but like a simple guide to to kind of food pairing and uh, uh, with beer is that uh, if you sort of got like a lighter beer, like a lager or you know a pilsner or something like that, generally goes with uh, a lighter the lighter foods like a you know sort of uh, fish or you know chicken those sorts of things. And uh, I mean, as you're sort of getting into the the pale ales and perhaps a little bit more sort of hoppy kind of beers with a little bit more bitterness to it, uh, that sort of cuts through kind of more sort of spicy spicy dishes a little bit better. Indian food and uh, or, or like a nice spicy uh, like pepperoni pizza or something like that uh, g- goes really well with like an IPA for example mm. and, and and then as you sort of get you know f- further on down the spectrum it's like a, a, a red beer is kind of characterized by you know you sort of got like that kind of sweeter sort of caramel kind of flavors a burnt toffee sort of in, in the beer and that kind of pairs or com- it sort of um, contrasts quite quite nicely with sort of you know like a your, your darker meats your roast porks uh, you know pulled pork or a beef brisket or something like that yeah. is absolutely f- delicious and then as you sort of get even even further you know the dark rails like your, your porters and your stouts etc um that sweetness can actually be uh, can be can be compared very very nicely with uh, you know desserts i mean like yeah. something like just a scoop of vanilla ice cream with a with our knock me down stout for example is absolutely okay. magnificent yeah like in it, it. Mm. like a like a beer float you know, well <laughs> <laughs> i mean like it, you're the chef yeah. <laughs> what do you think maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe this could be a new concept yeah <laughs> i said it first and yeah <laughs> scott i wonder if you can enlighten me on this a little bit but like how do you feel about i mean we have a kind of an age-old tradition of making beer which is water barley hops and yeast yeah god i remember (laughs) oh my god Uh, yeah but now i suppose looking at a lot of smaller breweries looking at like brew dog and people like that they're just like lobbing grapefruits and things like that into the mix i wonder like i mean there's a reputation i suppose for small craft breweries to be going and doing like experimental strange things Mm. with with beer from a personal point of view i don't like that stuff very much i think it's a bit gimmicky and i wonder what are your guys's opinions we try to uh, release a new beer every every month. Um, so every every year we we're, we're aiming to to have twelve new beers uh, available that, that we've never brewed before. Um, and no matter how experimental and how innovative we're being, we we want the beer to taste awesome. Like it, it needs to. It can't be just like a, a gimmick of of sort of like uh, well this brewer has chucked seaweed into this beer and I can taste some of it tastes like. Or cabbage, like that's a failure. I mean, like <laughs> any 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 person can can sort of like throw something strange yeah. into a brew and go, well, that's that. Sort of, I've never tasted a beer with seaweed or whatever yeah. before. But I mean, like if after two sips you go, yeah, I really don't like that. That's awful. And mm-hmm. um, then that brew has failed in what they've what they've been trying to achieve. And I suppose There's as never- a consumer, that's part of the fun. I suppose, yeah. of like this new craft brew, I don't want to say craze because it's not, but just like, like you know, coming back to the forefront and bringing back a part of what the general public are kind of becoming interested yeah. in, that you can go into a really good off license and be like, I'm going to get 
eight beers and maybe yeah. not drink them all tonight yeah. but maybe we're going to get eight beers and then like two of them might be crap yeah but it's like part of the fun that you're going around and be like that and when I say crap not necessarily that it's a well made beer but because there's such a variety of them that yeah. it's not yeah. the beer for you that's not your taste yeah, yeah. absolutely and, I mean, and that's that's the reason for our existence is that uh, you know we're, we're trying to provide a, a huge range of variety yeah. Um, so you know, we, we welcome a lot of a lot of other breweries, you know, coming out with with interesting uh, concepts and, and ideas as well. It challenges us as well. Yeah, it um, must be fun for you. I mean, it I, is. You yeah, know, exactly. you could be really su- successful probably with a range of ten that stays static, <coughs> and you know, the reliable, you know, that will sell. But yeah. you're probably having an awful lot of fun. Well, I mean, like our catchphrase is naturally adventurous, and so okay. we, we try and live by those yeah. two words. So basically, yeah. every day. Yeah. Ev- Sometimes <laughs> is it naturally on the couch, knackered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, that's <laughs> sometimes an adventure after, of after a few of our big, uh, big uh, beer festivals, <laughs> yeah. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. But like, just natural ingredients, like as, as Scott was saying. I mean, yeah, sometimes we, we might use you know blackberries, but let's forage them ourselves you know, around our local area you know, in the Ballyharras. It's like a really and cool version of um, yeah. Guinness and blackcurrant. Do you remember people used to drink that? Yeah, yeah. ladies. Yeah. A, man, <laughs> a man would have his pint of Guinness, and his lady wife have a would have black. a half, or yeah. uh, what's it called here, a glass of Guinness. <laughs> glass, I still yeah. say the English style. Half, yeah, half. Um, a glass of Guinness with some blackcurrant cordial yeah. in it. So you're doing something very similar, but much well, cooler. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Look out, yeah. look out for that one. That'll be. It, it, it probably we won't release that until probably about the middle of next year. I uh, think that's really it's, it's aging yeah, in, uh, in, in oak barrels at the moment. Yeah. But I mean, like these are Could the these are things that we sort of go. Oh, this this could be amazing. It could yeah. be awesome. It could be a flop as well. We yeah. don't know these things either. Yeah. You know, like we're experimenting as well, and that's that's the, that's the fun of, of being totally. a, being a craft brewer. Yeah. Um, like I said, like we've we've produced over sixty beers. Not all of them are outstanding. I think mm. probably all of them are drinkable, and some are, well are some are, some <laughs> are fantastic. You know, yeah. um, but which was your favourite? My my favourite still is uh, the Full Irish. Okay. It's uh, so we produced that Bacon, one. Bacon, egg, Rashers. first, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hash brown, <laughs> beans. Yeah, we we called it um because basically we were doing, we were using uh, a single malt, a hundred percent Irish malt. Okay. Uh, it was a so it's a single malt IPA. So basically, the malt from basically uh, barley grown in Cork, um, or, or around that area, cool. and um and then we just threw. Uh, some amazing, sexy sort of hops to it that mm. produce these lovely kind of tropical flavors, etc. And just the the simplicity of it almost yep. is uh, is is fantastic. And I think the the name sort of resonates. I mean, the full Irish, obviously. Immediately, we just went predictable as ever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to ask about and. Um, I said this uh, to Cam before we started recording, so I'm not asking something horribly personal. But your relationship with alcohol, like, do you <laughs> sometimes when I'm in the kitchen, I just can't look at food after a long day. But I can look oh, at wine. Co- well, yeah, <laughs> but, you know, I might get to the end of the day having just eaten a bit of soup three times, you know, yeah. because you're just your appetite gets totally messed just up. Just completely around it. Smelling it, you don't want it. You don't yeah. want it, and it could be beautiful food, and it could be left over, and you're like, Ugh, I don't want that. And then yeah. you go home and just eat an egg and a piece of bread. Um, <laughs> so, what does working with alcohol all day do to your relationship? With if that's not too personal a question. Well, I mean, as, as Scott says, we have a we have a access to a wide range of, uh, of beers mm. for yeah. sure. I'd say probably I've almost had to sort of cut down a little bit to, okay. um, you know, like but uh, just to have a you know a, a beer like one beer over a meal or something yeah. something that you kind of really look forward to. Um, we actually have to. As part of our job, taste quite a few beers. Yeah, you know? for I mean, sure. Like yeah. that's, that's part of the, the quality aspect of, of beer. Um, so, but that's that's very it's a very very different sort of. I mean, like you're you're sort of having to you know sort of critically mm-hmm. you know assess a beer. You know, is this is this ready to go out? You know, or does it need a little bit more conditioning time in a tank? Or 
you know, yeah. all those sorts of things. So, so sometimes you don't want to drink a beer because sometimes you're you're, yeah. you're, th you're thinking, oh, geez, you know, I'm going to just be as, uh, critically assessing it. So, yeah. I mean, you're I engaging a totally different bit of your brain to yeah, how you to do when you sit down to drink a beer with your pal or yeah, yeah. I mean, nice sometimes meal. you just yeah. need to step step away from. It. But I do find if you're at the at the you know at the dinner table, then you, you can just enjoy it and you have yeah. You know, so you have it you know with a meal kind of thing. Um, it's great fun to be, to be uh, going around to you know in the beer festivals and trying everybody else's yeah. beers and things like that. And you get some great ideas and that's great great crack but to be honest you know i i, I love i love my whiskeys and yeah. fine, fine fine wines and all, right. all the good stuff yeah. Yeah. yeah all the good stuff all yeah good. so is there any beer festivals coming up that you know of in ireland Jeez, we've uh, we've just gone through a uh, festival season. Mm. It, it feels like we've we've had a festival every week for about the last two two and a half months. Amazing. Um, sort of culminating in the, the we mm. had the, the craft beer festival in, uh, in in the RDS in September and one before that. The big one was the Big Grill, um, which the one in Herbert Park. The one in Herbert yeah. Park, yeah, which is great fun because there's a lot of a lot of punters there that. I've never never tried craft beer before, so oh nice, yeah, it was that must it be really fun. Oh, it's great yeah. fun because like you meeting your people. Uh, well, I mean, exactly, but a, a lot of people, you know, they they are inevitably coming up, going, I, I like lager. You know, what do you have? Yeah, and so you do have a lager, but then yeah. they'll come back and they come back. And go, Actually, do you want to try something a little bit, a little bit more full mango. flavored? Yeah. Well, we yeah. you know <laughs> possibly the mango. Or yeah. We had the full Irish there for as as an example because I yeah. mean that was a, just a, a you know we think it, uh, it's quite an award-winning uh, IPA if you like. Okay. So it's sort of ones that go, wow, this has got you know lots more flavor, but it's also nicely balanced and actually it is quite quite drinkable. It's okay. like a you know you can have a have a couple of, a couple of pints of that and, and be very very happy about okay. it. Okay. I got into craft beer or became aware of it in a big way, I suppose, from going over to a festival. I was working with a pal of mine at the time, and we were brought over to Toronto for the Toronto Festival of Beer. Mm. Um, and it was the year they were doing like every year. I think they have they have a pavilion that changes nationality and does it kind of bring people in. So they brought really interesting brewers from Ireland in. I think the previous year it had been Belgium, and then the following year it was going to be Sweden. But this was the Irish's time to shine, and I met ton of brewers and just realized that I was surrounded by uh, total anoraks do you know just like mm. dorks who just knew their thing <laughs> through and through and I was like oh my god this is these are my people because I love to ferment but I ferment mm. a lot of food mm. and then these guys were doing the exact same thing but with booze and so we were all just sitting in a group and everybody was kind of like science nerds yeah. science nerds but they were being really shady about people's beers who weren't there they were like that's a crap beer <laughs> I mean I tell him to his face but like no you wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose it was just like opening up this world to me of like I'd never had a sour beer before then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then that kind of opened up what that meant about wild fermentation, about the things that traditionally go with it. Mm. And mm. then I suppose, like, I'd never drink, like, the Belgian Lambert beers and that kind mm. of... Lambic? Lambic, yeah. Lambic, so, yeah. yeah. That kind of stuff. And then it, I suppose it was just, like, meeting all of these, like, super passionate characters. And they were all, I think, like yourselves, from, like, quote-unquote boring jobs. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and then they kind of were, like... I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Accounting you is awesome. finance. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. And, and you, so you just had a load of these guys who were just like, oh, no, I did I did boring stuff for ages, now I'm doing what I want to do. Now I'm doing my dream. And so you found that brewers are really good fun. Yeah. And the <laughs> <laughs> That's a very roundabout way of actually saying well, like, it. Was a, it was a fun week. In our anorex. But it, yeah, <laughs> but I suppose I'm just like looking to see if there's another festival out there for in Dublin or in Ireland because this is available all, got all over. Uh, not because I've got the goo, but like <laughs> to give somebody else that goo that I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Should get that I mean, the fun thing about brewing and beer and such is there really is a lifetime of learning and and more. Um, 
and and beer. So you can like as a brewer, it's it's fun. Well, as a beer consumer, it's it's fun. Like you can come in at a really superficial level of wow, I just I really like that beer. Um, I and I you you or you can go in a little bit deeper. You can start sort of exploring the flavors of that beer that you're drinking uh, a little bit more and the different ways that it, that it evolves as, as the glass kind of warms up and such. Uh, and then you can just start going really, really, really deep into the science and the way that the, the beer has been made. And as, a, as somebody working in the profession, it's, it's just mind-blowing. There's just this mountain of learning that that's always ahead of you of being able to go deeper and deeper and deeper into it. Well, that's the thing about it. Like Even as a home brewer, you can produce an amazing beer. You mightn't quite know how you did that yeah. <laughs> technically and you mightn't be able to do it again for you know consistency so, so i suppose that's that's sort of you know that's where the brewing science sort of comes yeah. into it you know you want to be uh, you want to be continual learning and trying to sort yeah. of work out unable to replicate what works exactly sure. yeah. yeah exactly i Absolutely. mean like th- they didn't even know that yeast even existed you yeah. know 200 or so years ago um they just used to put a you know a stick and the, the stirring stick and they just said it was you know god is good exactly. <laughs> that was the yeah uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, like you know, things are evolving, and Absolutely. and certainly you know, trying to you know, uh, tr- trying to understand you know, so sort of hop profiles and you know how how that all works and mm. you know, alpha acids and all this you know, summarization process, all so, all sorts of things that you just you're thinking we're still grappling with uh, with, with all those sort of yeah. concepts. Um, so it's kind of exciting to be part of it for sure. Um, this has been absolutely fascinating, really, really interesting yeah. stuff, and loads to look forward to. I, for one, I'm looking forward to trying this out with the blackberries. Yeah, you said the middle of next year. Yeah, I'll look out for that. Your Guinness and Blackcurrant dream. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. well, I think it's probably a really nice one for listeners as well to just hear about a few pairings to understand the process a bit better and understand totally. these different terms that are thrown around kind of willy-nilly now without full explanation. So, yeah, thanks so much for joining so us today. So, Cam in the studio and Scott on the phone, thanks so much for being here. Oh, uh, absolute pleasure uh, to be here. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having us. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you for listening into this episode of With Relish. We would like to thank all our guests for taking time out to come on with us. As mentioned at the beginning of the show, we are a fortnightly podcast, so make sure to check out headstuff.org for our next show. You can download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn and all the usuals. If you like what you've heard, please let us know by writing us a review or following our Twitter page at WithRelishPod. HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details.